Alrighty, and uh, welcome back to another episode of the uh, Justify Your Existence podcast. Um, I am Brendan Farrell. I'm joined, um, as always, by James Murphy. James, say hello. Hello, folks. And I'm also joined uh, by Michael Katz, our Ole Miss reporter. Michael, say hello. Hey, everyone. How are you guys doing? Hope everybody, uh, hope everybody out there is having an enjoyable. I guess it's holiday season. Everybody's starting to get their vacations and whatnot. So this is a nice time of year for people. Yeah, I would say so. I think we got that nice little like uh, kind of week cool down period between Thanksgiving and Christmas so that we can now comfortably um, move forward with kind of Christmas holiday stuff uh, and not feel weird about it. Uh, We are firmly in... um, going into really any kind of retail space and there's Christmas music playing season. Correct. So. Correct. And we're, we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, like on ESPN graphics Sleuth with a lot of uh, like Christmas themed things like random reindeer, just sort of like graphics r- running across the screen where we're, we, we are in that, we are in that time. We just got through um, seeing a score on the bottom line and you go, wait, is that a basketball score or a football score season? Mm hmm. So last. Yeah. So um, as always, you know, James and myself, we both write for the Daily Journal and Michael, too. Um, you can see all of our coverage at djournal.com and follow us on social at djournal sports. Um, let's see. Today is December 4th, um, a day after the final CFP rankings came out. Um, so there's that. Um, and you can follow myself at bferrell727 on Twitter and James at JS Murphy Media and Michael at Michael L. Katz, right? Yes. Yeah, solid. Um, so aside from the Florida State Alabama controversy, um, how'd you feel about um, Ole Miss in the final rankings here? I, uh, I had a, like, it's, it's so funny. Like the, the, after all the conference championship games end, there's this few hours where everybody is trying to figure out what the next day is going to look like in, in terms of, uh, you know, bowl projections. And, uh, you know, I'm hearing from so-and-so that such-and-such is the likely destination for this team, blah, blah, blah. Well, we, we don't know anything. Like, let's be, let's be honest. We don't know anything. Uh, as much as we like to think we know, we don't know a ton about these things. Uh, it's a bunch of people in a room in Grapevine, Texas, uh, deciding the ultimate fates of, of a lot of college football programs. And then everything else falls in line after that. But uh, when Florida State won, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, I have a feeling they're not going to leave out the SEC champion, especially when Florida State didn't set the world on fire in in that game. And I, I understand circumstance matters. You're on your third string quarterback and you're playing a Louisville defense that is really, really good. Um, but the problem is uh, Alabama just beat, you know, beat the, the two-time defending champion, has the best win of the season. Uh, the team that beat them also just won their conference. So you've got all these teams that have really interesting claims. Um, and so when Florida State won, I was like, okay, if they put Florida State in, Ole Miss's chances are are probably done at a New Year's Six game because Louisville will get that other ACC berth, um, and then all the auto bids are going to – it's just not going to – it would be very, very hard for it to fall their way um, if that happened. And so 
of course, with like the selection show, it takes like 15 hours. Um, and like, you know, in the first like 20 minutes, they give you the top four. And when I saw Alabama was number four, I was like, oh man, like th this, this might actually happen for Ole Miss. I'm, I mean, I listen, they deserved a New Year's six bid. There's no question when you go 10 and two with that schedule and did what they did. Uh, it was just, there were a lot of really good teams this season. Uh, this is among the highest quality seasons of college football I've seen uh, in, in a while. And so um, as it was all come down, of course, then you've got like the two hour break uh, and then they released the New Year's six games. And uh, I was just like, I was just staring at my TV. Like I was like, all right, I'm, I, I got something to tweet. I don't know what it's going to be and I hope it's correct. Uh, but I, I, you know, I got, got to wait for it to come up. And then I think it was like the second or the third one that they announced of the New Year's six games. Uh, I see Ole Miss come up and it was against Penn State, who was the team that a lot of people uh, were arguing about who had the better resume, them, Missouri and, and, and Oklahoma uh, were all fighting online uh, about who deserved to get those two spots. Uh, Ole Miss ended up getting one. And uh, I think Oklahoma ended up in the Alamo Bowl. Um, but, you know, I, I it's it's a fascinating matchup, one, because they're just so drastically different uh, style wise, personnel wise. Uh, I mean, listen, I know Penn State averages 37 points a game, but it's not the prettiest 37 points per game uh, that's ever been uh, that's ever happened. Uh, but they play amazing defense. That is that is a that's an SEC type defense. They got some dudes. Uh, Ole Miss has got among the most flashy, fun offenses in college football, and they've got a defense that's that's looked pretty good at times, too. I think it's an awesome matchup. I, I, it, you know, listen, the Citrus Bowl would have been great. That's a, that's a great destination. That's a good bowl game. But there's just, when you win 10 games in the SEC, that feels like, it sounds bad, but like they 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 deserve better than that. They deserve a New Year's Six game. And uh, it ended up breaking that way. And and I, I, I'm i fascinated to see uh, just how specifically, as, as I get more into it, how these teams match up. Uh, also, like, you know, I, it sucks with having a Florida State. Jordan Travis's post was just heartbreaking. Like when he was like, "I wish I had broken my leg earlier, so you guys could have seen how like that were big, that were bigger than me." I was like, "That's so sad." Like here's like a twenty-something-year-old kid putting it all on his shoulders because a bunch of like people in a room in Grapevine, Texas, decided uh, to do something a certain way. So Florida State had a hell of a season. Uh, them versus Georgia is going to be the ultimate. No one wants to be here. Uh, game. I'm fascinated to see how that goes, but uh, I think we got a lot of really fun matchups. Ole Miss, Penn State, I think is is outside of the, the playoff uh, games, is really among the most interesting just because they're just so drastically different. Yeah. Um, the weird fact that I found about this game is that uh, Penn State has a big time reason to win this game because um, it will be the first school in college football history to record a win in each of the six New Year Six games. So they've won the other five. They just need a win in the Peach Bowl. Also, like I understand, like I know, listen, college football's uh, there. There's a lot of teams, and there's not a lot of cross country scheduling a lot of the time. But for like programs that have been playing football a really long time, the fact this is the first time they've ever played is is like pretty wild. Like, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense when you when you think about you know like why would Penn State schedule like Ole Miss? But you know, these programs have been playing football for a very very long time. This is the first time it's ever uh, it's ever happened. So I think that's 
that's interesting. And, you know, Ole Miss has a chance to uh, win 11 games for the first time ever, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. And obviously they've been playing more games in later years. You know, when they had those really good years under John Vaught, they were playing 10 game schedules. So you could not win more uh, than 10 games uh, back then. Uh, but the fact that this is, you know, this has a chance to be, you know, among the best Ole Miss seasons teams ever is, is pretty remarkable when uh, you look at that strength of schedule was number six nationally. And uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they got beat up a couple of times and they rallied back every single time. And um, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's, it's a testament to, uh, you know, I think the players really bought in this year. I know last year that was, there were some questions about whether you could put a team together of transfer portal guys and it, it would work. And it, it didn't down the stretch last year. It worked this year. I don't think there's any question. And it's, uh, you know, college football is changing. And I think that I know not every team every year can do what Ole Miss has done. It takes a certain not you're not always going to have the right personalities and the right personnel and things aren't always going to break your way. But if you're looking at this new era of college football, like this is how some teams are going to be put together. And, and this is there's some really bad examples and there's some really good examples. I, I, it doesn't get much more successful than what this version of Ole Miss was able to do. I think the other weird thing is also that just looking at the uh, list of um, schools and like the number of appearances they've made in the New Year Six since this whole thing started in 2014. And so Ole Miss is now sitting at four. They're tied alongside Oregon, Florida State, Washington, and Notre Dame. But they also have more appearances than, um, you know, some really highly regarded schools. And, Michael, I'm going to hurt both of us here. I know you're going to say USC, aren't you? Yes. USC yeah. and Florida have three. Um, LSU has two. You know, they got more than, you know, even like TCU, Texas, Auburn. Right. Um, I mean, like those are some heavy hitters. And, you know, I don't really think anybody thinks of Ole Miss as really anything near like a blue blood or anything. But I, I, mean, I, th- I think those are I mean, those are some big names and some big brands in college football. No, absolutely. And I think the thing that's always been sort of the case with Ole Miss is that there's been stretches of, of really, really good. And then some stretches of really, really bad. And right now they're in that stretch of really, really good. But this seems like a more sustainable one. You know, when right before Hugh Freeze got there, things with Houston got pretty bad. And then Hugh Freeze got them into contention and they were, you know, they were in the playoff picture a couple times. Uh, and then everything happened and they were really, really bad uh, for a few years. Like, you know, and uh, everybody remembers the that egg bowl as being the sort of culmination of things when Elijah Moore lifted up his leg in the end zone. Uh, but there were a lot of bad, you know, there was just a lot of bad football in those few years. And, you know, Lane has, has come in and really steadied the ship. And uh, this this feels like a more, I think the goal ultimately is, you know, you don't want pockets of success. You want the consistent, are you going to win 10 games every year? Probably not. Uh, there's very few programs that can do that uh, on an annual basis. But uh, I think consistency is so important, and it it seems like like what Ole Miss has is they're finally they're building consistency, and, and that just hasn't you know these are the first ten win regular seasons again in program history, and they've happened in the last three years. You know, I know fans were mad about how last season ended. They won eight games. Like a lot of programs would kill for that sort of consistency, and I think that's it's a testament to where the programs come, and and uh, it's uh, I, I it, this this seems like a a sustainable. 
And of course, there's a lot of variables with of coaching changes and, and players and all that kind of stuff. But this seems sustainable. And I think that's really important. Look, college football is sort of a choose your own adventure book, right? And like one of the things that makes it so much different than the NFL or really like any pro sport in the U.S. is that you can sort of define your own season, right? You know, for some schools, just making a bowl is is, is a big win. You know, for some schools, it's, you know, if we win eight games, like that's a successful season for others. It's, you know, conference championships or national championships. But um, also, like, I'm just kind of looking through the list of bowl games that Ole Miss has played in. Um, you know, they're going to a bowl game for the fourth straight year for, you know, the first time since Hugh Freeze, you know, um, so, you know, 12 through 15. And, um, you know, I mean, th- this is counting a, you know, a vacated bowl game, but those aren't real. Everybody knows what happened in those games. As somebody who's a believer in USC's perfect 2004 season, those games happened. Uh, James, what were you going to add? Well, you can't take away the memories. You know, there's no uh, men in black little, please look here, sir, or madam, that could just wipe the memories away. Oklahoma knows that 55 to 19 happened in the Orange Bowl. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Oklahoma knows what it did. Um, Or what they didn't do. Yeah, exactly. Um, Shout out Jason White. Yeah, there you go. So um, anyway, hopefully for Ole Miss, this goes a little bit better than their last trip to the Peach Bowl, um, which was back in 2014 when they got thumped by TCU 42 to three. And I think that was the TCU team that some people thought probably should have made the playoff. Uh, if I remember correctly, it was either that year or the year after. That they yeah, had you're, you're right. You're right. That This was the year that uh, spurred the creation of the, the, the Big 12 championship game. Okay. Um, yes. Yes. Um, you know, I, I believe them and Baylor technically tied. And so mm-hmm. the committee said uh, no to both of them and threw yeah, in. Ohio but neither State. of them. In. Yes. 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 Speaking of a uh, team on his third string quarterback in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> and, and of course, they ended up going to win it. Uh, but yeah, that, that was a TCU team that, like, you know, it can go one of two ways. It can be either they don't want to be there, or they are just going to absolutely do unspeakable things to whoever line crosses from them. And they 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 chose violence that day, forty two to three. Uh, that was that was that was, yeah. I I I think uh, every Ole Miss fan hopes it goes a little bit differently this time. Yeah, uh, I I was kind of watching back the first quarter or so of that game because I kind of remember watching it, and I was just kind of. I remember it being bad, so I was curious about how bad it was. And, like, that first quarter is honestly one of the most chaotic, like, first quarters I've seen in a game. Uh, former um, Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace tweeted out uh, a gif of, of like, like, like war PTSD when the Peach Bowl announcement came out. And I was like, this man's going through it because he knows what happened last time. Oh, yeah, no, this was definitely a bad Bo game. Um but yeah, I highly recommend going back and watching if you're not a Null Miss fan, because there's just a bunch of things going on. And um, it feels dated, but also not at the same time. And I feel like uh, Trayvon Boykin is an all time um, example mm-hmm. of like, you know, um, like that tweet of like uh, guys can just sit around naming dudes from like the 2000s or whatever all day. Like to me, Trayvon Boykin is one of those like all time. 
great college quarterbacks, but also like also disappeared off the face of the earth after after 100%. that. Yes, I remember him. He was he was he was fun. To, he was really fun to watch. Because uh, if I remember correctly, TCU had kind of like been down a little bit uh, a few years before that, and then they brought in like this fun offense, and he ran it, and it was like, oh my, oh my god, like what is this? This is fun, TCU. Uh, yeah, that was that's that was awesome. Those were those were some fun TCU teams. Gary Patterson did a hell of a job. Yeah, yeah, that that was a um for those who you know really uh, want to go back to down memory lane here. Uh, Bo Wallace finished that game 10 for 23 for 109 yards, three interceptions, no touchdowns, and a QBR of 3.1. May I remind you, that is a statistic that works on a scale of 0 to 100. So definitely not where you want yeah, to Yeah, it's like one of... It's like one of those, I don't remember who it was recently, but they were like, if such and such had just spiked the ball on every play, he would have had a higher QBR than he ended up having. That kind of strikes me as one of those kind of, I've tried, I need to, I need to remember who it was. It feels like it was like. Probably Mac Jones. I feel like this is a Mac Jones tweet. It was Mac Jones. It was Mac Jones. It was Mac Jones. Yes. Yes. If he had spiked the ball every time, he would have had a better QBR. Well, now QBR and passer rating are two different stats, mind you. Um, but yes. Incredible um, stuff. Incredible stuff. It's yeah, either that or an Iowa. It was either that or an Iowa quarterback. I mean, what's the difference? We are playing the same game these days. James, what do you have? In terms of the game or just in general? Uh, just anything. Your, your thoughts on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah, well, I, I mean, so for those who didn't know, well, for first things first, full disclosure, I am a Michigan fan. So we, so the team played Iowa, obviously, in the Big Ten Championship. And there people were talking about a lot of the gambling numbers coming out. One of them was that the over-under for Iowa in the first half of the Big Ten Championship game was 0.5. And even myself, I'm thinking that there's no way. 0.5, come on. I got to get like a field goal or a safety or like s- something like that. Lo and behold, I'm stressing out watching the first half. And frankly, for most of halftime, and at some point I realized, wait a minute, they actually didn't cover. That is wild. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I'm interested to see how that changes going forward because I do think it goes deeper than Brian Ferentz as much slack as he gets and deserve as much flack as he gets and deserves. So yeah, big decision time for Kirk Ferentz in my opinion. La- la- last, thing about, last thing about the Iowa Hawkeyes because I don't think anyone deserves to. I don't think we want to punish ourselves. But uh, did you see that that? like golf top golf place in Cedar Rapids offered like free beers until Iowa scored. What and, a uh, fire that was. And they never scored. So um uh so the shutdown full cast did some journalism where Spencer Hall called them and was like, hey, is is everything still okay? And they're like, yeah, we're good. And he's like, uh are you guys still serving beers? Like we got kegs coming in. So uh the place and they're, they're doing it again. They're doing it for the citrus bowl against Tennessee. So um yeah, incredible uh, commitment to the bit there. There was a uh, there was a bar in Orlando, I think, that was serving free beer until UCF won a game back in like 2015. So those <laughs> those were good times. Um, but yeah, so James, as the resident Big Ten guy, uh, what's your what's your scouting report on Penn State? You know, Penn State is. Well, very, they're very much a Big Ten team. They, they love to run the ball. They love to be physical. And that defense, I think you could argue, is 
one of the best, if not the most talented in the country. Um, they are third in the country in points per game, first in yards per game. And this one sticks out to me first in sacks. They have guys that are going to get to the quarterback and they have schemes and stunts that are going to get to the quarterback. Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac are two of the best pass rushers in the Big Ten and the conference. So Ole Miss, obviously, as you guys know, that has been a juggernaut on offense for most of the years egg, egg bowl aside and even those games against georgia and bama aside this has been a very very efficient offensive team but i think this could be one of their biggest if not their their biggest challenge um this season because this is a team with a lot of first round picks not just robinson and isaac but guys like Kalen king on the back end who could match up with really whoever mandy diaz de- deems to be the biggest threat on Ole Miss, it could be, you know, it, it could be Watkins. It could be Harris. It could be any of those guys. But um, I feel like a big part for – I think like a big key for Ole Miss to beat Penn State is going to be, one, their defense needs to be opportune. It doesn't have to be the best defense in the world. It just has to be able to make the plays it has to when it has to, which it's shown it's more than capable of doing in a lot of big-time games. And offensively, I think that they are going to have to really – be able to power run the football because there have been cases where it's shown where if you're able to power run the football, especially with a guy like Judkins, you can take the control of the game and kind of take Penn state out of a rhythm. And, and as strong as that Penn state defense is, you can wear them down enough if you run it at them enough and show enough physicality. That's another key factor. Yeah, no, there's uh, I don't remember which game it was. It it might've been, it might've been the egg bowl where, um, they said, yeah, like the run wasn't working early, but we just you, you got to stick with it and eventually it will. This feels like one of those sorts of games where it it is not going to be easy. Their run defense is ridiculous. They, I mean, they like you said, they got some dudes. That's as talented a defense. I know Ole Miss played Alabama and Georgia and then Texas A&M. Like this is up and this is as talented as those teams and performs just as well, if not better. Um, oh, but Ole Miss, well, hmm. They're coached as well, in my opinion. Manny Diaz, hundred percent, five D. Hundred percent, absolutely, absolutely. But I think Ole Miss knows what it is, and if they can't run the ball, they aren't. I don't want to say they're toast, but uh, that's that's what makes everything go. It makes Jackson Dart better, it makes the offensive line better because it throws the defenders off rhythm. And, and running the ball is is everything. Uh, for that team because again so many of, of Ole Miss's deep strikes down the field are off play action and uh if they're not falling for the play action it's going to be a little bit tougher so um it's going to be interesting uh that that little chess match between uh you know what do Charlie Weiss Jr. and, and Lane drop in terms of uh scheming the run do you do, I mean and if it's not working are you committed to staying with it, or do you try to do something else uh, out of out of desperation or frustration? Uh, you know, this is a this is a one game exhibition type deal. Do you think do you pull out all the stops and completely change everything that you've done because you think you can get it done in this one game, uh, or do you stick with what has generally worked for you uh, but hasn't been perfect? I think it's 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 going to be really really interesting to see uh, how they scheme it up because because like you said, Manny Diaz is is as good as it gets. Now, Michael, the other thing I was thinking about, and I realize that we're still pretty early in the process here, is, you know, a lot of these bowl games sometimes can come down to, you know, who's declaring for the draft and who's not. And um, just for comparison, I just looked through um, PFF's most recent mock draft. I think it was from earlier today. 
Um, they've got two Penn State guys going in the first round, being uh, Olu Fashanu, who's their tackle, and uh, you know the aforementioned Chop Robinson, both going uh, in the top twenty. Uh, Fashanu going uh, at four to Washington. Chop Robinson going at nineteen. So I'm wondering, um, you know. I feel like if there is going to be a team that's going to be impacted more by guys declaring for the draft and not playing, it sounds like it's going to be Penn State. Oh, uh, 100%. Uh, Let's be honest. The Ole Miss, uh, if we're looking at draftable situations, does not have that top-end stuff right now. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, That's just not what this team is built with right now. Um, uh, But this... You know, uh, you know, just today, Dayton Wade, uh, he was on SEC Now this morning or whatever, and he said he's he's going to go to the draft, but he's going to play in the game because I think he understands. It's like, listen, Dayton Wade is not going to be a first round pick, uh, uh, but you know, and he's he's going to have a career, and and he's 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 I think he's going to get drafted because he's a really good receiver and he's really fast and he does all the little things. Um, but I think he understands that you know he's got one more game. Uh, it's worth him for him to risk it because. The guaranteed money isn't as big as it would be for a guy like Chop or, uh, you know, a, a high-end first-round guy. Uh, so I, I think in that in that regard, and this happened with Ole Miss a couple of years ago too. Um, you know, in in the Super Bowl, you know, it didn't end up paying off because Matt Corral ended up getting hurt, which of course is the worst-case scenario uh, in a situation like this. Uh, Matt did decide to play, and he was a borderline first-round pick at that point. I think everybody was kind of stunned that he did. Uh, Ole Miss guys have, have played recently, and, and part of that is uh, I think they want to see how things end. Part of that is is they just haven't had that top end uh, first round pick type guys recently. Um, I think that's going to end fairly soon because I think Quinshawn Judkins is going to be in the conversation uh, next year as a top two or three round guy. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think this is this is a this is a situation where Ole Miss might benefit because. Uh, you know, between uh, the transfer portal and uh, the draft, I don't know if if every team uh, is going to be at full strength compared to what they were at their best this year. I think Ole Miss is probably in a better spot. Well, plus, in the example of Dayton Wade, you know, you know his journey better than anyone. Um, I, I feel just feel like playing in a New Year's Six game is probably one of the coolest opportunities he's had, if not the coolest opportunity in his college career. Oh, absolutely. And he's, he's from outside Atlanta. Like this is like, what more could he possibly want? He's going to have his, I imagine his entire family there. I mean, this is like, it's gotta be, I mean, that's, that's a dream come true. Uh, I imagine. So, uh, you know, uh, you know, f- f- football will be there for him. Uh, but I think he imagines that like, given his journey, you, you got to follow through the experience. Like what, what else, what, why else are you doing it? Why else did you come to Ole Miss if you don't want to see it through and play in the biggest game of your life? Uh, I, I think that, a lot of guys on this team understand that. Yeah, and um, let's see. I was trying to dig through my notes here a little more. Uh, we've already mentioned um, that you know Ole Miss is going through their first uh, eleven win season. Um, in addition to that TCU game we mentioned, they also went to the Peach Bowl in nineteen seventy one under Billy Kinnard, and um, they also went uh, one one uh, under freeze in New Year six. So Lane Kiffin's looking for his first win, right? Because they lost to Baylor in the first time around. Correct, correct. Yep, they lost their sugar with twenty one seven, where Matt got hurt in the first quarter, and that was uh, that was unfortunately 
kind of that was not I want to say that was it because the defense actually played really well against a very good Baylor team. But uh, it was going to be hard to come back from your star quarterback, uh, you know, getting hurt in the first. Um, but yes, and then like the sole win there was um, uh, the Sugar Bowl win over Oklahoma State in 2015-48. And that, that that was a butt kicking, if I remember correctly. Yeah, 48-24. Not, not not yeah, not 42-3 to three bad, but... Eh, I mean, once you start winning by, you know, four or more possessions, kind of what's the difference? This is true. This is true. Um, but yeah, uh, James, what else did you have? Well, I think a big factor just for being able to keep that offense going, I did mention that the moments is going to be able, have to be able to run the ball. They're also going to be have to be able to pass protect because there's no better pass rush in the country than theirs. As I said, they have the guys to do it. They have the schemes to do it. They have the coaching to do it. So part of that, I, I wonder how they're – my question is how are they going to counter it? Are they going to just try and condition the offensive linemen to make sure that they can match up for – those edge rushers and that interior line for as long as they can. Do they try to scheme up more plays where they get the ball out of Jackson's hand in about one, maybe two seconds, or do they just try something else? I'm, I'm really curious to see how they handle that aspect because that pass rush can be a game changer. Yeah, no. And then again, that goes back to the chess match because, you know, almost his offensive line has been a little bit up and down uh, this year. It has had some, they've had some injuries as well, which has not helped, but, you know, the Ole Miss passing game is at its best when they hit deep shots. But when you hit deep shots, you need time. And Penn State's going to make that really, really hard. So, I, you know, again, it, it goes back to how much can you stick with what has worked for you when it might not work early on or is going to be less successful than normal uh, given who you're playing. Do you do you change everything for one game? Do you do you stick with it? Uh, there's so many interesting uh, little little uh, little chess matches in this one. Well, especially um, you, you kind of have to wonder what happens if you get Penn State into, you know, if you get after their defense early, right, and they're down by multiple possessions early, you know, what happens once you force Penn State into, you know, kind of a game state where they have to throw the ball more often. Um, but I mean, also, you know, the two guys I mentioned that could go in the first round or will more than likely go in the first round, both on the, uh, both in the trenches, right? You know, you got your starting tackle and, you know, an edge guy. So, you know, and we're talking about a uh, an Ole Miss team that is, um, you know, their their pass rush isn't quite um, Penn State, right? Penn State leads the country in sacks. But, uh, you know, Ole Miss is is right there at, in a tie for 20th at, at 34 sacks. You know, so you almost wonder, like, you know, what, what's the – if those two guys aren't playing, you know, what's kind of the uh, – what's kind of the depth in, in the trenches like for for Penn State? Yeah, there's the, the, we are going to learn so much over the next few weeks uh, that's going to, with opt-outs and transfers and all of that stuff, that is going to change the complexion of this game so much from right now, it might look completely different than what it looks like in a couple weeks based on who's playing and who's not. So, uh, But that's the fun of it too, right? Is is, is everybody sort of learning everything at the same time. Like, no, who's all going to be out there uh, You know, for Penn State? I uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I think offensive, I think linemen tend to have a lot of pride. So I'd, I'd, I'd imagine, you know, they, you would think that they might play, but again, if you're going to be a top five pick, you probably don't want to risk it. Um, and so that's, it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, that all unfolds. And, um, you know, if, if those guys don't play, it's a, it is a completely different football game with, with that question. 
Right. And so, um, you know, as sort of this stuff unfolds, uh, do you know it's a great place to find out about all this stuff? Not my Twitter, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, Michael's Twitter, you've got, um, you know, uh, you can always find our coverage at djournal.com. You can also find our lineup of newsletters at djournal.com forward slash newsletters. And if you want to join the conversation with other fans, feel free to check out our Ole Miss sports discussion group on Facebook. Um, if you're a Mississippi state person, you can, you know, we have one for Mississippi state too. Um, but yes, uh, once again, um, you know, you can follow me on Twitter at bferrell727, James at JS Murphy Media, and Michael at Michael L. Katz. Um, thanks again, Michael, for joining us. And um, everyone, thanks for listening. <laughs>